0: Um, and as those who sit around you are seated, would you, if you know them or if you're willing, um, would you just lay a hand on someone? And I know it's a, a weird thing in some ways, but, but we do this as a reminder that God invites us to pray for one another. And we know that today, here and now, um, as God invites us to trust him with our lives, He also asked us to pray for one another. And so this morning, uh, those who are seated around you, go ahead and be seated who need to be. And we'll pray for you today. And so I would encourage you to pray for those who need prayer. We're going to pray today a prayer both of excitement and of safety for Joanna Abernathy. She is the Harmson's granddaughter, and she's going to serve in Madagascar for the summer. So we're going to pray for her. Pray for Carolyn McElroy. Many of you know Jim and Ann and Ann's mother, Carolyn. Um, Pray for her as she fell yesterday and, and uh, just needs our prayers. I'm going to continue to pray for Bill Harper for his continued recovery as he fights cancer, for Dave Tabler, uh, as he's in the hospital right now and pray for him to continue to improve. And we know these are just a sampling of the many prayer requests today, but will you go with me to the Lord in prayer? Father, we come before you today, thankful that you are near to us, that you love us, that you desire for us to know you in ways that are life-changing, that are powerful. That on this day, you invite us to celebrate the the good men of our lives, but we know even as we talk about Father's Day, that some of us in this room have have fathers that are either ashamed of, or they didn't reflect what true love looks like at all. So the idea of celebrating a Father's Day is a pretty hard thing for them. Even for some of us today, we have lost our fathers, and celebrating Father's Day is painful in that way. Or well, for others of us, we wish we could have been fathers and haven't been. And so, Father, today we come to you, the one who is the Father, who is the author of love, who invites us to know that we are truly your children, that we are defined by love, your graciousness that your hope for us is seen and your son Jesus, and on his life, death, and resurrection to to come to give us new life. So we pray today for those we have mentioned, for Joanna, for Bill, and Dave, for Carolyn. And we know there's so many others, and even right now some are seated as they need prayer for them or for their family or for their future. And Father, we don't have the answers today for everything in our life that's broken but we know one who heals and redeems and restores We're asking, begging, pleading for your restoration. We pray today not only for that, but we know that some of us are celebrating great joys today. For some, it might even be a first Father's Day, and so we celebrate that today, and we pray for that today. So, Father, help us to recognize our deep, abundant need for you in moments of despair and in moments of celebration and everything in between. And so, Lord, we ask in this moment that you would be present with us in tangible ways, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and our lives, and we would know your deep love for us. And, Father, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, that it would be your voice that we hear, not even mine, but yours. And we pray this in the loving name of Jesus. Amen. Maybe seated. Because I don't think it was mentioned, and I don't want to forget, if you haven't passed the black connection pad down your row, please fill that out and pass it along, and if you're a guest with us, we would love to connect with you following the service and have a gift for you in the foyer. Um, so this is, not, this is not a part of the sermon. It's this is kind of a side note in advance of, I just want to say today if you, um, how much I appreciate all of you, um, whether you know it or not, it's been just over five years since the church uh, voted to call me here as your pastor, and um, I, am, I still don't know what you're thinking, and some of you don't know what you were thinking either, um, but I'm glad to be a part of you and one of you and with you, um, and I know this is an interesting season for us, and um, when the board called, they said, would you lead us, and I said, I'll do my best. Um, with the help of God and so we hope that that's continued to go in that direction and we know next week there's a vote on that and and a new direction and uh, would you continue to to ask God to answer this question that we've been asking our leadership and that we believe God has answered the question we've been asking is this is do you believe this is the leading of God or not Um, and our leadership has answered that affirmatively we would encourage you to continue to pray with us on that and we will talk more about that a little bit next week at the end of the service and I hope this week uh, you have been praying, like I, for Boys and Girls Camp, and uh, we know how powerful that week is, and to pray for the Punches' family as they open up their home and their property and they lose some sleep, uh, so we want to pray a prayer of thanks for Brian and Marla and for Pastor Holly and all that she's done in that. But, but I was thinking how when we speak to people uh, and we hear people speak, how speaking either speaks into our life powerful words that lead us to action— Right? Have you ever been inspired by words? Like someone says something you, are like, I, I'm in. Let's do this. Whatever this is, I want to be a part of it. And other times, have you heard someone speak in a way that you say, I want nothing to do with that? Like, they're just mean. In fact, they've done the opposite of inspire. They've angered or hurt or upset you. And then if I were to shift this, I would say this. How many of us have been the words who have used those words? We've inspired people with our speech. Ooh, that was good, and people were excited. And how many of us, if we're honest, other times have have not inspired? We've beaten down. We've hurt. We've wounded. See, I think sometimes we forget how powerful our words are. I really do. I mean, the words have the opportunity to speak into people's lives in such meaningful ways, and they also have opportunity to tear down. And I was thinking about today is Father's Day and how, how I probably, it's kind of obligatory you talk about your father a little bit, so I thought I would. Um, some, some of you have met my dad, and you probably just think he's like this really tall, big guy who is just really quiet. I never knew that man. Um, you know him as quiet. I don't. Um, but my dad, like, he's, he, he taught me all kinds of stuff. He taught me how to cut grass and... You know, like how not to fix stuff sometimes. No, um, he's much better at that. He just, I wasn't a very good learner. Um, but, but there are things he taught. and He said lots of stuff. And my dad, my dad really is not one who shows a ton of affection. So the moments when he did, they really stand out. So I remember, I was, a, I was going to college and he asked me to give him a tennis lesson. And so I said, sure. And so I gave him one. We were having kind of a serious life conversation. And midway through this conversation, during this lesson, he stopped, he dropped his racket, he stepped over the net, and he gave me a hug and said, I'm proud of you, I love you. <laughs> I didn't think I'd cry. Um, <laughs> but like that, that moment stands out in time because it wasn't the normal f- function of my dad. In fact, a few months ago, he, he sent me a text and said, I want you to know I love you and I'm proud of you. And, and there was no reason for that. And so actually I called and I said, are you okay? Um, are you dying? Like, uh, like I joked because he we always knew, but he didn't articulate those words probably enough. If he's really honest, and he'd probably tell you that. So thinking about how I learned so much from him, but how his words had such meaning in my life, there are other times when he disciplined me, and I have not forgotten those words. Right? <laughs> and I, I, I'm okay. This is kind of just funny. I was trying to think if I could add something about my mom, and I was just thinking about how my mom, when when she'd be like chewing us out for doing something because we were a bunch of boys in our house, and my little sister she was like the angel, uh, or so everyone thought, um, and. And my mom would be lighting into us about something, and someone calls, She'd go, oh, hi, how are you? Like, how do you do that? You go from like anger and animosity to, oh, it's so great to talk to you. And I'm like, what? My dad just would answer the phone, he's like, I don't know how to shift like that. But I mean, I, I think it's like a female skill that they all have that they can be like chewing out their children for doing something disruptive. Or, and then the minute someone calls, it's like they flip a switch. And I, I don't have that switch. Um, But our words are so powerful. Today, I want to say if you're a father or if you're a man, or really if you're a person here, um, your words have weight. Your words, our words, I'll include myself in this, I'm not immune to this. They build people up or they tear people down. In fact, it's important to know how our words, they teach stuff. Sometimes good stuff, sometimes not good stuff, but we teach with our words. In fact, sometimes we teach things that aren't true. Did you know this? This week I was reading about the things that most of us have been led to believe that aren't true. And I'm sure these people were well-meaning when they began to teach this stuff. Like, did you know fortune cookies are actually from Japan, not China? I didn't know that. This week I learned something new. I mean, most of you probably know, I mean, I know, I hope you haven't learned this from me, but we don't know what kind of fruit Adam and Eve ate. We say an apple, we have no idea. Just to be clear, we don't know. Did you know that Cinco de Mayo is not Independence Day for Mexico? I didn't until this week. It's actually September 16th. Go figure. (laughs) Did you know that one human year does not equal seven dog years? It's based on the size and breed of your dog. Did you know that Vikings didn't wear the horn helmets? I didn't. I assume they did. Maybe the favorite one I learned this week did you know that it isn't true that caffeinated beverages don't hydrate you? That's just not true. Now, caffeine is a diuretic, and so it can lead to other issues, but it does not dehydrate you. So, all the coffee I drink is okay. Now, each of these began with people thinking these were positive things, right? I was teaching someone something that was true, only to later find out they were untrue. And I'm sure others of us in this room, if we were to take the time, could think of things we taught or learned that were not true, and only years later found out the difference. Our words have power. We know this, that there's the power in words, because sometimes people have made accusations And once an accusation is thrown, whether it's true or untrue, it gives us pause. We see people differently based on accusations, not even whether it's true or not. We know this. We live in a cultural climate that if you're accused of something, it's as if you've already done it. I don't know if it's true or not. Our words, they have power. The writer of the book of James, James, I know we write we, we label stuff in the Bible really well, it's so complex. The guy wrote the letter, his name's James, we're going to call it James. Uh, so the book of James, we've been going through this this summer and we'll continue to go through and we're in James chapter 3, the first 12 verses in just a moment, but, but James has really talked about the power of words. All throughout his letter, he wants the church to understand the power of words and how they matter. In fact, what he, what he does is he talks about his brother Jesus. And I know if for no other reason you want to be a follower of Jesus, then the guy who is his brother prays to him and says he's Lord. I mean, that alone should make you want to become a follower. Maybe. I know my brothers wouldn't say that about me. Like. But Jesus modeled, and not only did he model a way of life, but he taught a way of life that gave us this perspective of who God actually is. In fact, a few weeks ago, and, and we, we read from the Book of James. There's a certain phrase that hopefully you've remember. And if you haven't, I'll give it to you again today. Because if we will embrace this, whether we believe in Jesus or not, our life would be better spent. People around us would be better impacted. The phrase was this: that we're to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry." If we embrace that, whether you believe in Jesus or not, people will like you more, I promise. Like, that's true. Like, this is the reality for us, As words are so hard for us. And so James really never leaves this idea of words all throughout this letter. And so I invite you to stand this morning as we read from James chapter 3, the first 12 verses. James writes these words, "'Not many of you should presume to be teachers.'" My brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body, it corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Now see, I have to be really honest with you. This first verse that James mentions here, the first one he writes about, scares me quite a bit, to be honest. He said be careful if you're a teacher because you'll be held to a higher standard, period. I mean, in fact, in the Church of the Nazarene, we have this process called ordination that, that one of the primary modes of it is to talk about what you have learned and how you'll teach because if you're going to talk about the character of God or Son or the Spirit in ways that are counter- We've come to understand who God is, and they don't want you leading or teaching. Like I know some of you get freaked out by some of the things here, like, but what, one of the things I feel most convicted and concerned about is what we teach as a church, whether it's in a Sunday school class or from me or from anyone else, because at the end of the day, I know that I'm held accountable by that. And here's the thing. It's a privilege to teach anyone anything. It really is. For me or for anyone else. Now, some of you go off, oh, man, I don't want to ever teach. <laughs> I'm done. Well, here, let me ask, tell you this that teaching is not the bad thing, it's the heart behind our teaching. Are we teaching from the heart of the character and nature of God, which is love seen in the person of Jesus or not? See, I think as long as we're speaking about who Jesus actually is, not, not a caricature of Jesus. Not our perception of Jesus or our cultural understanding, but who the scriptures actually say he is if you if you just read the red letters in your New Testament, that would be tell us who Jesus is. I mean there was a Paul as he describes him. I mean that's what James is trying to do here. know who Jesus is and speak of him in that way. So I was thinking about that this kind of all week, and um I didn't I added something to this term. I don't usually add anything on Sunday morning. I kind of just rewrite some stuff but but I don't really add anything, but i I had to. To shift that this week, Um, I read a statement from the church in Nazarene and I spent a lot of time reading last night and again this morning. Uh, If you you didn't know, um, I guess I'll say it this way, it's Father's Day weekend and I do have two children and I would do anything in the world for them. Anything. I mean, I would try to move heaven and earth if I thought I could do something to better their lives or to help them know Jesus. I mean, I I would do anything for them. Lay down my life without thinking. I mean, wouldn't hesitate. Many of you are the same. So, as I was reading this week about kind of what's happening, if, and this, and I was thinking about how I would do anything to put my kids in a better position. Anything. So, as I say this morning, this is not a political statement, although it, it is political. The Church of Nazarene issued a statement even yesterday, and we're not the only church. In fact, nearly every church in America, from the Southern Baptists to the Episcopalians, everyone has issued a statement. If you didn't know, there's a a zero-tolerance immigration policy right now that is literally ripping families apart. So what churches across America have been asking is will we think about a a way to do this differently, better? And I think about if I was living in a place where, where I would... Would walk across and try to get across the border and I'm not saying it's legal, that's not my point but my point is this, that God never would desire to rip apart families, in fact 1,995 children as of Friday have been separated from families, that's, that's I'm not making this up So what what I am saying this morning is God calls us to be people who speak into, offer truth and advice and hope. And so this, like I said, please don't hear this as political. You can if you want, but I hear it as kingdom oriented because this is what Jesus calls us to. Because in fact, we had this week an attorney general said, well, he quoted Romans 13.1, which says, Submit to the authorities in front of you because God's ordained them. However... If you read the Apostle Paul who wrote Romans 13, he's the same one who said, who was eventually executed because he wouldn't submit to the Roman authorities. See, the call of the church is to speak in the countercultural ways whenever it's immoral or unethical. And there's no way we could ever believe that our Heavenly Father would desire to separate families. It's just not the character and nature of God. It's just not. And so I say it this morning to say this, then the call of the churches has been, can we think about a reform to this? Can we think about speaking about this differently? We, we recognize that each country has a role that is different than the kingdom of God, but can we think about a, a policy that's different? In fact, if you, if you didn't know, the, the previous policy had said that families were detained together and deported together, or um, they were paroled together in the country, and right now this is a new thing that they've been separated this way. So the church is just asking, can we think about this differently? And here's what I would say, I wonder if we wouldn't have used the scripture in that way to say this, if we had a better understanding of the way it should be taught. So if we're gonna quote Romans 13, 1 as our kind of premise for why this is okay, I wonder if we had a better contextual understanding of Romans 13 instead. It's why it comes back to the power of what we teach. The power of our words matters. It's why one of the things that my prayer for us is that we begin to say and understand that scripture, we want to understand contextually. We want to understand what the author's intention is. We want to understand what God desires for us to understand and know in the midst of that. And I know for some of you, I'm, like I said, I don't know whether you you lean Republican or Democrat or in the middle. I don't know and I don't really care. But the challenge for us is to be God's unique people in a culture that never is going to value the kingdom values ever, as a whole. But we can speak as God's authoritative people, as his voice in the world. But it requires us speaking from a place of listening, knowing the heart of Jesus and the character of love, It's not often that you, in fact, I don't know if you know this, but the church in America often is divided on most things. This is one of the few things we're actually united in right now. Um, not saying there shouldn't be immigration policy, but the, the way we think about it should be different. James quickly moves on from this idea of teaching, and he talks about what comes out of our tongue, what comes out of our words is the overflow of our character, the overflow of our heart. We know this, right? We know what we speak is the overflow of who God calls us to be. And he goes on to say, if we keep our tongue in check, we keep the whole body in check. I use the illustration of a horse. I don't have horses, and I'm, I mean, my only horse, horse story, really, is that I forgot to shut a gate at my aunt and uncles, and they have horses, and needless to say, my aunt was really angry. Like, that's my horse story. I have no others than that. But I do know that a bit and bridle can turn a whole horse, or that on a boat, a rudder is small, or an airplane, they're small, right? These small things can change massive directions of huge things. But when we lack control of our tongue, when we lack control of that, the direction we go often becomes something that's not good. James talks about a single spark. We, we know a, a small fire usually begins with something small, right? A little spark can start a whole forest on fire. I mean, someone's campfire in California can lead to a great forest fire that messes up all kinds of homes. Lightning can strike one tree and, and a whole forest is lit on fire, these are not good things, right? When one spark in the wrong direction. But what if our words could be sparks of hope and life and love? What if that was true? What if the words that we spoke added hope to people's lives and didn't destroy? What if our words became different? Because so often we struggle. We I mean, James says we, we learn to steward all of creation. In the beginning God created Mankind in his image and said, This, I want you to steward, I want you to manage, I want you to, to oversee all the world. And the hardest thing, probably, for us to steward and understand is our own tongue. And so often, the words that come out of our mouths are evil or dangerous or slanderous or envy, they're racist, they're hurtful. I could go on and on. We, we sometimes say, Oh, I'm just joking. Just kidding. Sometimes we say, well, I just had to say it. No, we didn't. None of us did. And then James says, well, we, sometimes we'll take the words and we'll speak and we'll say, well, here is, here's God. And he's just so good and I love him so much. And then we'll turn around and we are hypocrites with our tongue. We turn around and we say words that are anything but loving What James wants us to understand is if we'll learn to speak from the character and love of Jesus, we will be his reflection in the world. Because our words are a reflection either of our love or our lack of love. There's really not an in-between. But I mean, we should be wary when we speak of others, because if it's not uplifting, if it's not truthful, if it's not if it's not good or for the better of others, it's called gossip. We should learn to act and see people as Jesus sees people. I mean, this is really his invitation. I mean, as I said earlier, today is Father's Day, and I cannot say, whether explicitly or implicitly, man, if we say in any way, do as I say and not as I do, it's garbage, it's worthless, it has no value. See, our words and our actions have to match up. Proverbs fifteen, one through four says this, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. In other words, how we speak has power. Our words have power. One of the hardest things is for us to often think about God as Father, this idea that God loves us unconditionally, the way that God loves us as His own. That this is a hard thing for us to grasp. And so often it's because we look around and we see the fathers and us and the things we've said or done, and we recognize how hard that is to embrace that then. But to the men of the room, what if we tried? We really gave our lives and our hearts to saying, I want to reflect the love of God in everything I say and do. I want to respond from a place of love and only love to my family, to my friends, and to my coworkers, and to my neighbors. See, the words we well, use, they have such power. The words of fathers tear up or they build up. But it's not just the words of a father, it's the words of a teacher. I mean, one of my great moments, Carl Leth was a professor of mine in college, and, and I remember, I'll never forget, I was kneeling at an altar praying, and kind of my, felt like my life was in turmoil, and he whispered these words in my ear. He just said, I have great faith in you, and he walked away. And i got to be honest with you, those words have rung true. In fact, I sent him an email this week telling I was telling that story. I said, you spoke to me in that moment as if it was God, and I needed to hear it. Thank you we never know the power of our words. So whether they're our children or a neighbor or a coworker or a stranger, the power of our words matters. And so I, I told you I'd finish this book this week, but I got one more story from you for it. Um, Bob Goff's book, Everybody Always. I've been asked quite a few times how my life is working for me. It's a fair question, I suppose. More than just small talk, what my friends really want to know is how things are going for me. I think a better question to ask is, how is your life working for the people around you? Because if our lives aren't working for the people around us, our lives aren't working for us. How's your life working for the people who are closest to you? I'm always in a hurry. I put on my socks two at a time. I lace up my tennis shoes while I run to save a couple of minutes. I order sushi at restaurants so I don't have to wait for them to cook the fish. And I don't even like sushi. When I'm not in a hurry, I spend my time being impatient. It's so extreme, sometimes I think I make coffee nervous. While living my life this way has been working out great for me, I started to wonder how it was working for the people around me. So I asked them, do you know what I found out? My impatience was driving them nuts. A few weeks after I asked the question, I found a beautiful kids book that changed everything for me. It was a book about buckets. And its premise was simple. We will become in our lives what we put in our buckets. I knew I needed to fill mine with patience. I decided to put the book to the test, so I went to a hardware store and bought a metal bucket. I carried it with me everywhere for three weeks as an experiment. The bucket was made of galvanized aluminum and had a wire handle. I looked like a dairy farmer. (laughs) I took my bucket with me in cars, on sailboats, in subways, everywhere. People on airplanes would ask me if I had a bladder problem. Actually, I'd say jokingly, I do. But then I would say I have an even bigger problem. I'm really impatient. I let them know how I use the bucket as a reminder to fill my life with patience every day. If we fill our buckets with a bunch of business deals, we'll turn into business people. If we fill them with arguments, we'll become lawyers. This guy's actually a lawyer. If we fill them with a critical spirit, we'll become cynics. If we fill them with joy, we'll experience tremendous happiness. I believed in the concept behind the bucket so wholeheartedly I filled my bucket with sprinkled donuts one day just to see what would happen to me. Here's the simple message Jesus has for us. If we fill our buckets with love, we can actually become love. I have a friend named Randy Phillips. He's an amazing guy who pastors an even more amazing church called Life Austin. He also has a band called Phillips, Craig, and Dean. I know it sounds like a law firm, but it's not. Randy asked me to come speak at his church one Sunday. He had called me almost a year in advance and gave me the date for the Sunday service. I jumped at the chance to be with Randy. What I didn't realize until the weekend finally arrived was the date he picked was Super Bowl Sunday. I don't watch much football during the season. I'm too impatient. But I love watching the Super Bowl. Actually, what I really love is being with Sweet Maria, his wife, and eating nachos. The Super Bowl gives me the excuse I need to do both. When I finished speaking at the last of several services at Randy's church, I jumped into my rental car and bolted for the airport to get home for the last couple of plays of the Super Bowl. It was going to be tight, like usual. When I got to the rental car return lot, there were a couple of lines with an attendant at the front of each. I chose my line and began waiting. Nothing happened for several minutes. So I craned my neck out the window to see what was the holdup. At the front of this line, an attendant was staring into the air as if he were trying to remember the words to a Rolling Stones song. I jiggled my foot on the brake impatiently. I tapped my fingers on the dashboard. After five minutes, I let out an audible, exasperated, really, into my empty car. All the while, the line next to me was moving along just fine. I was more than a little peeved, I can't deny, as the cold realization sunk in, I got that guy. You know the one I'm talking about. The only gears he seemed to have were slow, stop, and reverse. I sat in my rental car, fingers still drumming on the steering wheel, waiting for him to gain consciousness. The car in front of me started to inch forward, but then it happened again. Entire seasons changed while I waited. (laughs) I inched forward again. I was at the height of my frustration when I noticed my bucket in the passenger seat. I would completely forgotten about it. Fill it with patience, I said to myself over and over. Fill it with patience. Finally, the attendant slowly lumbered toward me. I've seen glaciers move faster. <laughs> he opened the door slowly and asked, how was your rental car experience? In the old days, I would have just clocked him with my bucket <laughs> or made a wise crack to let him know what a lousy job he was doing and how he had made me miss my flight. Something different was going on inside me this time though. For 25 minutes, I had done my best to fill my bucket with patience. This time, instead of making the snarky remark that easily came to mind, I said to the guy as I got out of my car, I had a great time. The car was awesome. You're awesome. Airplanes are awesome. Life is awesome. I hope you have a great day. I didn't even recognize myself. (laughs) It was like a ventriloquist had his hand up my shirt and was making my mouth move and was saying things for me. This certainly didn't sound like an old version of Bob talking, and you know what? It wasn't. It was a bucket filled with patience doing the talking. I had missed my plane by a lot. I got out of the car with my bucket and started walking to the terminal to book a new flight. I'd walked halfway across the parking lot when the rental car guy came running up from behind me and put his hand on my shoulder. A little winded, he said to me, Hey, I just want you to know, he paused to catch his breath before continuing, that was a great sermon you gave at church. You were there, I thought, as I held back a gasp. Oh man, if he only knew what was going on in my head while I was sitting in line before I remembered my bucket in the passenger seat. (laughs) Don't miss these words. We can pretend to have all the game we want to up on stage, in the pulpit, on the field, at work, or in our faith communities. But it's how we engage with the rental car attendant or the grocery bagger or the bank teller or the person who puts on the car tires that lets everybody know where we really are with Jesus. I still get it wrong more than I get it right, but I was so grateful I had filled my bucket with the right stuff that day. All the words and emotions that otherwise would have spewed out of me would have shattered this guy and shown me for the impatient, selfish guy I'm still trying to put on the bus. People will figure out what we really believe by seeing what we actually do. Everybody has a plan, but God is looking for people who know their purpose. We all encounter difficulties. It's what we do next that defines us. During the times when I'm confused, my feelings have been hurt, or I'm exhausted or frustrated, I'm learning how to fill my bucket with love. People don't grow where they're planted, they grow where they're loved. Knowing things about the Bible is terrific, but I'd trade in a dozen Bible studies for a bucket full of acceptance, and truth be told, so would everyone around us. While I'm loading on the rental guy the way I wanted to, at first might have worked for me a few moments— As I let off some steam, the conversation wouldn't have worked for him. Because I had been filling my bucket with patience, I'm sure I had the conversation I should have had with a rental car guy that day. As a result, I let loose a lot of grace into the world. It's this simple and that difficult. The guy who is up in front at church needs to be the same guy in the back of the rental car line. If you can't do that, either stop driving or get off the stage. Bringing those two different people together is going to take a whole lifetime and a pretty big bucket. Um, last Sunday I talked about how love trumps all if you remember that and I'm, some of you didn't that's okay um, I, I know it was, it's been seven days and I was, I was leaving last Sunday afternoon I, um, my son and I were driving and we were going to meet someone to play nine holes of golf and so we were hurrying there and we got behind the slowest driver I've ever seen I mean, the speed limit was 45, they went 30. And, I, and they started to turn, I thought, oh, thank goodness. And then they realized they didn't need to turn. <laughs> and I'm losing my mind in the car, I'm not saying anything, because I you know, I want Isaac to pick up any bad habits. And, and uh, we turn onto this road, and I catch myself. And my own phrase in my head was, didn't you say this morning love trumps all? Alright, so I'll just pray for the person in the car in front of me instead. <laughs> I didn't honk. That's a step forward. But how often do our words betray what we want them to, to be? See, the call of the church is to be a blessing-only people. Not a blessing and cursing people. See, God's call to action is this: speak well. Speak often but speak from love. If we're defined by love, we'll speak with love. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this, are my words going to produce the end result I hope for? And I don't even mean in that moment, I mean at the end of our lives. Because man, if you tell someone off, sometimes it feels kind of good. But is it who you want to be? I I tell you, one of the things I I hear all the time from friends of mine who've worked in the food industry is how poor people from churches tip or treat them on Sundays. I'm like, what? I don't understand. If you're one of those people, be nicer when you go to lunch today. I'll never understand that. For us speaking our mind at the expense of the other, is the definition of making everything about me. And that's opposite of Jesus. For followers of Jesus, we're called to speak the words of Jesus. There are times words are difficult, but they're always spoken from deep love. See, the church exists for the formation of God's people, for the transformation of the world. Let's say that again because I hope you caught that. The church exists for the formation of God's people, for the transformation of the entire world. That is what the church exists for. But we have to be formed, we have to be changed and shaped, and we have to be defined by love because the world will not look differently if we are not shaped and transformed by the love and power of Jesus. And so this. Father's Day. This day, for all of us, I have just two words for us. Speak well. Speak well. Will you stand and pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you today as we prepare to leave this place today, as we go about and we recognize today is Father's Day. And for us, as your church, we hope and we pray and we believe and we trust that there is a divine father who loves us more than words can ever express, that the selfless, sacrificial love of Jesus is the epitome of the nature of the father and not only do you want us to know we are loved, but you want us to become loved by your spirit's presence in us. And so this day, this Father's Day, help us to embrace our father's love. And may we give his love by the words that we speak. So Father, we do pray today that you would help us to be your unique people who are defined by your faith, hope, and love. Who recognize today there is a Father who loves us all. And to the men of the room, we have children, may we be great fathers to them. May our actions be defined by love. If we don't have children, but we're a man in this room, may we become spiritual fathers to those who need it. And so, Father, we thank you for your grace and your love who picks us up when we fail, dusts us off, and puts us back on the journey again. So may we go and be people who speak with truth and hope and love. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May you go in God's grace and peace, this love today. And if you're a guy who was here with us today, may you get a piece of pie.